Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That would be the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And we both want to welcome you to episode 54. Episode 54, where are you? Nice. Kids asking get that uh Fifty plus year old television reference. I was about to say, kids ask your parents. Parents ask your parents. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah fifty four episodes in. Yeah, we're not losing any steam whatsoever. We're still all about that wrestle talk, um, and we got a lot of wrestle talk for you on today's episode because it seems like everyone's getting pregnant right now. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, recent pregnancies uh, in the world of wrestling. And no, one of them is not the great Kali. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Um, a lot of great uh, pay-per-view plans for uh, the upcoming NXT TakeOver. Really excited about that. Um, and, of course, we want to talk about the very latest from Camp Corgan. Uh, Billy Corgan's latest acquisition of NWA has gone through, and he's got some ideas we're going to tell you all about what they are, for now anyway. They, they, could, they could change, it's possible. Um, and of course, this week, uh, over in Detroit, Michigan, there's going to be Hell in a Cell as WWE Smackdown having its pay-per-view this Sunday. So Darren and I, of course, have to go head-to-head. Head-to-head. And we got to see who knows more about wrestling or who is sort of lucky enough to call... What's going to happen? It's crazy. We never know, but we try our best, don't we, Darren? We try, and uh, most of the time, you know, we succeed. Yeah. We succeed. Right. Again, it's it's not, it, we don't get it wrong, they get it wrong, because we yes. always get it right. That right. is right. Right. So when we do head-to-head, head-to-head, it's basically to see how wrong WWE can be about their own product. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Before we get into that, though, of course, we probably need to get into those... Headlines! Baby, baby, baby. All the wrestlers are having babies. And by all the wrestlers, I mean a couple wrestlers. Uh, Maurice and The Miz uh, made it public that they're expecting a baby. Uh, this is actually, we've actually done this for a couple weeks now, but we've, we've forgotten to really talk about it. So, you know, congratulations to the Miz and Maurice, you know, having a child. Uh, of course, that's obviously a wonderful thing. What's interesting about this is they're sort of already working this unborn child into wrestling angles. Um, because the Miz feuding with Jason Jordan, 
you know, Jason Jordan technically being a bastard, he's he's basically saying, like, you know, my unborn child, and, like, he keeps mentioning the unborn child, and it's like, you don't mention unborn children because, you know, something horrible could happen, Miz. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's not something to laugh at, so I just laughed at it. Yeah, you're uh, a bad person. Two, two things, uh, you know, nothing could be hotter uh, for Jason Jordan, nothing could be on his side more than to be a bastard when Game of Thrones has made it ultra fashionable to be a bastard for several years now. And It's fashionable. Second- <laughs> hey guys, I'm a bastard. Oh, like Jon Snow! Marry me! Exactly. Marry me. Exactly. And so, uh, in addition to that, I think that going with the unborn child angle, it's just the Miz trying to one-up uh, Matt Hardy uh, with the one-year-old King Maxwell. And uh, so now, you know what, now my my zygote is getting TV time. And uh, so <laughs> everybody wants to work a wrestling angle with a zygote. Yes, they do. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not trying to be dark about the whole, like, what if you talk about this baby you're having and then the like the worst happens and you know Maurice loses the kid then you kind of drop the angle but then everyone's like wasn't Maurice pregnant wasn't Maurice pregnant and then you have to answer to millions of people and say like yeah we lost the baby but anyway I'm going to be wrestling at SummerSlam and I can't, it's you know what I mean right. that, 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 yeah. that's why I say like maybe don't incorporate that into the into the the wrestling world but anyway it's the Miz so but he's not the only one him and Maurice are the only ones not having a child uh, also the Canellises right Maria Canellis and her husband Mike Canellis those are the Canellises yes they are. They are. They are the uh, the Knutsons. I, I mean the Canellises. Yes. And uh, Maria is, is pregnant. Maria is with child. So, good for them. Congratulations to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Canellis. Maria has already come off of television, so I guess that's just the way that's going to be. <laughs> Welcome back, Maria. Well, see you in six months, Maria. Yeah. Yeah, gotta love that. Thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for wrapping it up. Uh, yeah, up. there's been a, a rash of, hey, I'm back. Well, gotta goes between that and Jeff Hardy, you know, rotator cuff injury, and he's gonna be out for six to nine months now. So, if ever there was a time for Matt Hardy... 69 months? 69 months! It's a very sexy amount of time. Um... <laughs> So, so that's very. Uh, if there, if ever there was a time for Matt to become broken or woken, uh, he needs to. He do that now instead of just giving him random tag team partners. And yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah. Yes, please, Matt Hardy, be some kind of, be some kind of oaken. <laughs> be, be, be made of oak. Be oaken. Yes. Be Thor. Be, be Thor and Oaken Shield from the Hobbit series. <laughs> Uh, I think that was his name. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, so children being born, wonderful. That's great. Unfortunately, it does take Maria off of TV, and it's always nice to see Maria on TV. So you know, Maria, go have that baby. I guess go have that miracle of childbirth happen and become a mother. But just get back on TV, okay? Hey, it's the miracle of childbirth. 
from the miracle Mike Bennett. Hey, if anyone could do it, he could do it. Hey, Mike Canellis, he did it. All right, so let's talk about what's going to be my favorite WWE-produced card easily this year, with the exception maybe of WrestleMania 33. You know that was hashtag the ultimate thrill ride. I've been told. But maybe better than that card even, definitely better than any other WWE card, is the one announced just this week, NXT TakeOver Houston. We knew there would be a TakeOver Houston the night before Survivor Series. This will come to you from Houston, Texas, obviously, on Saturday, the 18th of November, 2017. And now it's being called TakeOver War Games. Yeah, man. That is right, dear listeners. War Games has returned. War Games, made so famous by Dusty Rhodes and all of his friends in the NWA and WCW, we got to see some of the coolest matches of all time settled in two rings in a double cage, and I can only hope that's what we're going to get in Houston next month. There had better be two rings side by side. Oh, I absolutely agree, yes. If they try to turn this into a one-ring War Games match, not gonna, not gonna do it. <laughs> I'm not going to be okay with that. But for the time being, we are going to proceed as if we know for a fact it's going to be those tandem rings covered in a giant cage. And the War Games match itself, I guess, is going to be probably your main event of the evening there in Houston in November. The Undisputed Era, which of course is the trio of Adam Cole, baby, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, will be taking on Sanity with the leader Eric Young, Alexander Wolf, and Killian Dane. And they will be taking on, because this is a three-way war games, the team of the Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong. Now, I don't know how they're going to really go together as a team. Um, uh, did I miss a Roddy Strong heel turn? Or <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not too thrilled about that because, I mean, obviously it's sanity, and they've been sanity forever. It's Undisputed Era. The boys from ROH are coming to NXT, and Authors of Pain, which no one's really crazy about anyway, and uh, Roderick Strong. You, you guys right. go. You guys go. Now, you, we, we know that NXT loves to force three people to wrestle. You know, if you go to any NXT house show, you'll see a main event it will be a six-man tag. Um, but I, I am quite curious as to why it's it's this configuration of three people. When it could have been just, oh man, just three of NXT's finest, you know. Instead, it's, uh, we need something for Authors of Pain to do. Roderick Strong's right. not busy, so you guys get together. So anyway, it's it's still cool. It's still a good idea. Obviously, it's more so going to be about Sanity and Undisputed Era because they're the ones who are mainly feuding right now on television. Um, so that's something to look forward to for sure. Also, Asuka's vacant NXT Women's Championship uh, now has a Fatal 4-Way, and we know who those people are who are competing for that title. Uh, Kyrie Sane, who won the Mae Young Classic, uh, she's in there. Sanity's Nikki Cross also involved. Ember Moon, 
uh, will be there, and Peyton Royce. So either way you slice it, there's going to be a new woman's champion, something that they have not had for a very long time in NXT. And, uh, of course, that win will be big for any of these people. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about who should win that match the closer we get to uh, uh, NXT TakeOver, War Games slash Houston. Because so, we can spend we can, we can can speculate about it right now, but it won't matter until we actually get to uh, the head-to-head. Head-to-head. For that one, if you will. Absolutely. And in other news, Billy Corgan, Billy Corgan, Buddy, we've talked about you on our show so much. I think you owe us a guest spot on the show by now because no one has promoted you and the NWA any harder than we have. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Billy, if you're listening, give us a call. We'd love to hear you tell your side of this wacky story of you buying your way into the world of wrestling. I tell you what. Uh, Perry, the one thing that I really dig about Billy Corgan and all of his great efforts that he's gone to to buy his way into the world of wrestling, he's doing it because the dude likes wrestling. The dude I, really I can understand that. Wrestling. Yeah, I, I like wrestling too. Should I buy up an old defunct wrestling promotion and uh, and try to try to zap some new life into it too? Uh, well, by the tone of your voice, uh, it sounds to me like you think that's a ridiculous idea. I, 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 I catch just a bit of facetiousness in that rhetorical question. No, but I'm going to answer it sincerely and say, yes, there's no <laughs> facetiousity in that, uh, that question there, Darren, I don't know what you're it, looking for. And all well, of our all of our listeners did not hear any facetiousity as well. I think I've you're trying to pick a fight. I, I think I think if you want to fight, you can settle it in the ring because I have purchased a defunct old promotion uh, because I think it's a great idea. So we'll settle it in the ring. Okay, well maybe we will. Maybe we'll have a triple threat match: me versus you versus Billy Corgan. <laughs> Winner take NWA. I like it. Sure. That that way we don't have to pay for anything. We just have to beat Billy Corgan in the ring. That's all. Well, unlike you and Billy Corgan, I don't have a former very successful 90s alt-rock band uh, <laughs> that has left me with millions of dollars to purchase defunct wrestling organizations. I'm glad that the two of you do. Right. But I don't. So I'm stuck here on the sidelines looking uh, at Billy kind of, at least for the last year, kind of fumble through the darkness, desperately trying to get someone to take his money. And uh, finally, Bruce Tharp and uh, anybody else, the Bosch family, and whoever is holding on to whatever remnants of the NWA, A, exist, and B, don't somehow fall under the ownership of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. That's what Billy, apparently, as of October 1st, just the other day, Billy now has possession of all of that. He has the rights. He has the name. He has the title. He has the Bosch Family Houston Wrestling Tape Library that he is reporting is a treasure trove 
of wrestling that people want and need to see. And the most interesting part of it all is that Billy Corgan has announced he has a 20-year business plan that will guarantee the success and the relevance of the NWA once again as this plan goes into motion. And he, and he gives a lot of credit to the fact that it is the current atmosphere in wrestling and that people are looking for an alternative to what's coming out of Stanford and Orlando. They're looking for an alternative to Vince's Monopoly game. And I, and I know that that is true. There's enough indie wrestling that makes that true. He's looking for, looking for an alternative and who better than someone who used to have an alternative rock band to bring them that that music, as you as it were? Um, it, it's funny because it's a twenty year plan, so it's almost like you can just do nothing for fifteen years and then be like, "Well, now it's time." And I told you it was twenty years. <laughs> well, and here's the problem: the last twenty year plan that I recall happening in pro wrestling was Vince McMahon locking down Bret Hart in early 1997 with a 20-year deal. And we've all seen Wrestling With Shadows. We all watched that night in Montreal, which, as of next month, will be 20 years ago. Oh, wow. So, if you think about it like that, Bret Hart's contract should just now be expiring <laughs> the contract wow. Vince, yeah the contract vince mcmahon gave bret hart to get him to stay during the monday night wars in an effort to have somebody locked in as hall and nash and waltman and everybody else went over to to turner land and got their guaranteed money vince said all right i don't do guaranteed money but for you brett i will for 20 years. Well, only now here in 2017 would that deal actually be expiring. And we know that Bret Hart has been retired for 80% yeah. of the last 20 years. I think and, the only um, long-term contract that Vince McMahon has given someone and they actually stayed the entire time was probably Mark Henry, right? He was given a 10-year contract, and he, he got all 10 years, right? Even more than that, did he get like 15 years? No, Mark No, Mark Henry also got the 20-year deal. Oh, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't talked about quite as much as, it didn't become as famous as Bret Hart's did. But yeah, Mark Henry had the 20-year contract as well. You know, but Mark Henry would be gone for long gaps. I'm not shitting on that tenure at all, because he's truly been there for 20 years it's kind of amazing. But in terms of really not going away and being under contract for really just as long, Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you got to think, the Kane character has now been around for 20 years. Like, like but, officially, because Bad Blood was just before Survivor Series. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The Kane character is now 20 years old, and he's been gone for about a year. But still, that means 19 years of Kane, and Glenn Jacobs was under contract for years before Kane. Yeah. Being fake Diesel, being Isaac Yankum, et cetera, et cetera. 
So, you know, Glenn Jacobs, I mean, that that's borderline like Jerry Lawler, Howard Finkel type uh, stays with the company. So it's crazy. It's wild. But we're talking about 20-year contracts, and that's because we're talking about Billy Corgan laying out his 20-year plan for the success and the reemergence of the NWA. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Impact, uh, you know, impact, as we say over and over and over again, even when Anthem isn't screwing the pooch, impact, GFW, TNA, whatever you want to call it, it's never going to be a competitor to Vince McMahon and the WWE. And I'm not saying that the NWA will either, but at least it'll be one more, hopefully, fun, cool, interesting alternative uh, for wrestling fans to watch. So best of luck from from the whole ref and show to Billy Corgan. Uh, hopefully we can uh, we can see the, the NWA rise like a phoenix. Yeah. We'll talk more about uh, Billy Corgan's 20-year plan uh, when we're... 20 years, technically 21 years into our podcast and going like, now, wait a minute. I recall, I, I recall, uh, um, William Corgan. He mentioned, uh, that he had a 20 year plan. I think he's just hoping there's going to be a nuclear war that wipes out everything with, within the next 20 years. So it's like, well, I had a plan, but you know, whatever the world ended. So, um, I'd be I'd be wishing for a comet instead of me trying to run an organization, a wrestling organization, because it's so tough, it's so hard to do. Um, anyway, so yeah, best of luck to Billy Corgan. Right on, man. I, I guess Billy's pride is so great that he he hopes a nuclear war will occur before he is proven wrong about his pro wrestling endeavors. Right. Well, I hope his Siamese dream becomes a Siamese reality. <laughs> it's a Smashing Pumpkins reference. All right. With that, <laughs> WWE SmackDown. They're going to lock themselves inside of the hell in a cell. That's going to happen in Detroit, Michigan on this Sunday. Darren and I, we've got some uh, opinions on who's going to come out victorious and who's not going to come out at all. It's our Hell in the Cell head-to-head. Head-to-head. Coming to you live from the Little Caesars Palace. Little Caesars Palace? In Detroit, Michigan. Little Caesars Arena. Little Caesars Arena. (laughs) Well, you know, Caesar. <laughs> Little Caesar's, Caesar's Palace. Caesar's. <laughs> it is. It's a small version of Las Vegas' Caesar, Caesar's Palace. That, that's it's, like that's like the Carl's Jr. that's like really small. It's just a drive-thru. It's a Carl's Jr. Jr. It's a Little yeah. Caesar's Palace. It's, it's Little Caesar's Palace. And hey, Caesar, no matter how big or little he is, Deserves a palace. He deserves more than an arena. <laughs> I mean, right? I, I just hate that arenas are just becoming a, a product place. You know what I mean? Like, I really, I don't like that at all. Well, you you are in for a lot of pain and suffering. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Because that is, that is the long-term trend. And I don't think it's going anywhere, but... Um, <laughs> Anyway, this Sunday, the 8th of October, 2017, from the Little Caesars Arena. There you go. Detroit, Michigan. Smackdown Live, 
the blue brand of World Wrestling Entertainment, is putting on their exclusive pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell. Now, Hell in a Cell used to just be a match, but in the recent years it has become a pay-per-view all unto its own. And what I think is kind of cool is when you do it, when you have the whole pay-per-view named that, it kind of allows you to do what I always thought they should have done, which is to have more than one Hell in a Cell match on a card. You're going to have that gigantic structure there. You're going to have six, eight, or even ten matches. Why not put a second match inside that structure? It's, it makes any match better. Um, but uh, as we move through this card, <laughs> we talk about uh, what's likely to be the main event. We'll see how the Hell in a Cell itself, the structure, becomes actually problematic. But we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Yes, we will. Darren, you may you may be a bit uh, forgetful here. You may have short-term memory loss. And you may recall the latest Hell in a Cell, which had not one, not two, but three Hell in a Cell matches, including the first ever women's title uh, or women's Hell in a Cell in general match, which was for the women's title, um, which, yeah, didn't didn't Raw just have the exclusive rights to Hell in a Cell? Except for now, I guess, it's SmackDown doing Hell in a Cell? What's going on there? Oh, what's going on there? Uh, there is no continuity director. Uh, oh, okay. Camp. Okay. Yeah. There's absolutely no one keeping up with uh, how or why anything does, does not, or should or should not make sense in the weird, wild world of WWE. And that's unfortunate. To me, that was always one of the great, great hallmarks of pro wrestling is strong continuity. That's why the viewers care. They care because wrestling is like a comic book, is like a soap opera, it is like any other serialized drama. You come back because you want to see what happens to the characters that you love and hate next. And if you just have them sort of walk around and then and just sort of bump into their next threat, that, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay because, sure, uh, for those of us who love equally the theater and the sport, you know, they're kind of bumping into your next opponent. Well, at least, you know, at least that satisfies the part of you that loves wrestling as a sport. It does me, but it leaves me wanting it leaves me wanting so bad for that theatrical side of pro wrestling, which thrives on continuity. I know, I know. Calm down. Don't don't hurt the audience. All right, they just listen to the show. They're very nice people. I know. I'm the one who calls them dear listeners. It's true. I'm not talking about listeners that are dear. I think we've made this joke before, but <laughs> it's a winner every time. It's a winner hey. every time. <laughs> Winner, winner, venison dinner. Yes. Oh no! If they're deer, they're not gonna like that one. That one's oh. not gonna. That one's not gonna go over. Hey, come here, listeners! I want to eat you. <laughs> that's why. That's why you've got Hell in a Cell uh, switching brands because no one keeps up with anything, and they think that that's fine, and it is fine until you go back later and you want to make a nice, pretty package for your network 
service and you realize that nothing makes sense anymore because you didn't bother keeping up with your own history as it was happening. Well, uh, Darren being such a lover of history, I can see why he's very upset about this in general. But I think they're aiming to make some history on this Sunday's pay-per-view because oh. it's, uh, it's going to start off with Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. And they're taking on the hype, bro- <laughs> hype bros, Mojo and Zack Ryder. Maybe they are trying to make some history, but I hope it's not with this match. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was I was kidding about them making history with this match because uh, I think this might be a pre-show fodder. Yes, pre-show fodder. Uh, I'm going to say this is probably fodder. Okay. Uh, for the pre-show, Darren, what is God's plan for the hype bros? <laughs> I hope that God's plan for the hype bros is a SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. Right? Are you for serious? Come on. Dude, you know that I dig the mojo. I am super into Mojo Rawley. What about Zack Ryder? Eh. Okay, so you want them both to be champion because you like one of them so much. I want them both to be champion because I want one of them to be champion. And as long as he's stuck in a tag team, I got to pull for the tag team. Otherwise... They're not going to do anything with him, clearly. Of course, I don't think that's Mojo's fault. Because while Ryder was out uh, injured, they did stuff with Mojo. But then I think this is all because they don't want to leave poor Zacky behind in the dust. So knowing that he's not going to do anything as a singles guy on SmackDown these days, especially if they're also pushing Mojo, then it's sort of like, okay, okay. Let's pull Mojo back down these rungs of the ladder, stick him with Ryder, and then they can just kind of goof off some more as the hype bros. Silly Darren. They weren't doing Mojo any favors. They were using Mojo because his friend is Gronkowski. They were using him for his star power. They <laughs> That's all. That's yeah, all they it, did. It, it, it continued. It continued after Big Gronk wasn't on TV anymore. No, it, it Ryder came back and they went, well, I think all the fans want these hype bros together again. And we, we didn't. Um, but we, well, we didn't, we, we didn't want them, them in any way. I don't hate them as a team. I just like Mojo better as a singles dude. But, I mean, I'm okay with them as a team. The only thing I don't like, of course, is because WWE refuses to push or focus on more than one story at a time, as soon as they were like, yeah, yeah, hype bros, then all of a sudden it was like, okay, fashion police, back of the line again. You know, we did get another fashion police segment, uh, I believe, week before last. And it, so it's kind of it's kind of back. But after sort of being in the forefront there for a minute, they knocked those dudes back down the ladder. And I just don't get it. Man, let it all happen at the same time. Push the hype, bros. And the Fashion Police, and the Usos, and the New Day, you can do it. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you have Demolition as your WWF Tag Team Champions, but that did not preclude you from also being entertained by the Bushwhackers, or the Natural Disasters, or whomever. But they they, they, they just don't seem to be able to book that right anymore. I, the I idea that you could have 
interesting people from the top to the bottom of the card, and they can be relevant even if they're not in a title picture. No, I, I understand. We talk about this in the show a lot. Um, WWE is pretty bad at pigeonholing people and keeping them in certain roles. Uh, you know, like keeping Mojo with Zack Ryder, you know, to keep the hype bros together. Uh, having poor Chad Gable, who lost his tag team partner, Jason Jordan, to Raw. But they, they only see Chad Gable as a tag team guy, so they stick him with Shelton Benjamin, who made his return to WWE. And that's like, well, Shelton, that's 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 your role. You're, I, I guess you're you're a you're a dark skinned man, so you're just like Jason Jordan. So wrestle with Chad Gable. Like I mean, it's it's kind of like they have tunnel vision on on, on most of their people. Uh, but anyway, we're we're focusing way too much on uh, <laughs> on um, the configuration of the people in the match. Let's talk about the match itself. Again, we we're pretty sure this is going to be pre-show uh, kickoff show fodder. Uh, but I, what do you think? You wanna, you want Gable and, and Benjamin, or do you want Mojo and Ryder? I guess because you're such a Mojo Mark, you're gonna say Mojo and Ryder. Okay. Well, I want Mojo and Ryder to win this match. I want them to, but I don't think they will. I think this is gonna be Gable and Benjamin winning this match. What oh, about you? Oh wow! Wow. Um, it's a, it's a tough call because I don't care who wins this match. Um, and neither team will suffer from a loss anyway. So it doesn't matter who wins this match, but I think they're, they're trying to make Mojo and Ryder, uh, they're trying to make them look like they're, they're on the brink of breaking up at any minute. So I guess that makes sure you're supposed to care more about the hype bros because of it. Um, so I'm pretty sure Gable and Benjamin are going to go over on this one. So I think we're both going to go with uh, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin over the hype bros. It seems like a safe bet, yeah. But I'd be totally pleased if Mojo and Ryder pulled this one out. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, with that, we move into the main card. Randy Orton takes on Rusev. It is a return match. Um, I mean, we, some a match we've seen a thousand times before, but you may recall the last time they fought at a pay-per-view, it was over pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know why they did that to Rusev, but uh, <laughs> they did. Uh, so hopefully this will actually be a match-match. And again, I don't care who wins. Uh, do you care who wins? Uh, again, I care. I want Rusev to win. I want Rusev to matter. I want Rusev to matter in the eyes of the WWE bookers and writers at least as much as Randy Orton matters to them. He doesn't. He doesn't matter to them. I don't get it. I don't understand why they can't push this guy properly, but they they don't. Um, I, I don't understand the why, why he seems to be very, I don't even know, he seems very nonchalant about his role in the company and his role as a professional wrestler these days. He seems like he's perfectly content. Okay, I live in the United States now. I live in Nashville, Tennessee for some reason. I'm married <laughs> to the woman of my dreams, and I have experienced some success. And it's, it's sort of like if he never does anything again, he doesn't care. But then he'll get on Twitter, and all of a sudden he cares too much. And it's just like, one, I don't like the line being blurred between the character of Rusev and this real man that he is, where he's apparently a super sweetheart, and like he's fairly ambitious and he's shy, and it's like, what? I don't, you know, that's one curtain I don't want to peek behind. I like the idea 
of, you know, the old, old idea when he was Alexander Rusev and, you know, he's, he was a monster. He, so, yeah, I care a lot about this match and I want Rusev to win, but he's not gonna. Orton's gonna win this match and I will, I will not care about that. I'll be slightly miffed and that's about it. See, and I say I don't care about the match because I don't care about the match itself. Which doesn't mean that I don't I don't care about Rusev. They doesn't mean that. I, I do like Rusev. They don't know what to do with him. Um, he's he was this berserker brute on Raw, and now he's just a punching bag on SmackDown. Um, so I don't I don't know what the deal there is. And Randy Orton. I mean, there's no reason for him to take a loss at a pay per view. Um, so I'm gonna go with Orton on that one. So. All right. Yeah. And, I mean, this really isn't even a feud. It's just kind of a, you two guys work together. That way, that way Orton's on the card. We, we want to keep Orton on the card no matter what. Um, <laughs> so, so oh, yeah, they want to keep Orton on the card no matter what. And they think simply because he's Orton that that's enough for Rusev. But, again, they'd be wrong because even a victory over Orton isn't quite enough for Rusev and a loss is harmful to Rusev and they're going to do it anyway. I agree. I know I'm with you, but we both agree. Orton's going to go over on this match, um, which takes us into another match, obviously because <laughs> there are matches. Um, Bobby Roode, the glorious one is taking on Dolph Ziggler. And it's, it's funny because Ziggler's having all these entrances, all these unique entrances, all like, you know, typically mocking or uh, emulating past WWE, WWF superstars. He did one for Taker. Uh, he did one for, I think, Shawn Michaels, uh, several, Ultimate Warrior, several people. Um, but it's almost like it's, it's, it's almost like WWE is proving the point that Bobby Roode, like, is an entrance and like that's it you know what i mean like it's almost like um well speaking of like grand entrances there's one superstar that you only know because of his grand entrance and that's bobby Roode. does it kind of seem that way to you it absolutely seems that way and they're letting ziggler do this unnecessary unwarranted and harmful uh dirty work this is the same thing he did to nakamura pointing out things that were good about Nakamura, but it seemed like they were actually trying to convince the audience that these quote-unquote good things were quote-unquote bad things. Yeah. And they're not. But even in their twisted WWE vision of how storytelling works, even in that vision where they think that, well, Ziggler's a heel – so the audience is naturally not going to take him at his word. No, anybody presenting an argument in a charismatic fashion is going to sway someone. And so all of a sudden, someone who knew, let's say nothing about Nakamura, their introduction becomes listening to Ziggler crap all over him. That's going to sway their opinion. The same thing with this Bobby Roode uh, angle is you've got Ziggler downplaying the, the any credibility of Roode on the basis of he's only an entrance. Yeah. And the, enough people who aren't that familiar with Roode or his work in NXT 
for his work in, in TNA. And they're going to look at him and go like, yeah, Ziggler's right. All he is is that theme song. Um, but all of that being said, I think Rude wins this match um, because Ziggler is so overwhelmingly all over Rude in terms of the, the this parody and mockery. And I think that as a result, you know, this is, in terms of the feud, this is Rude kicking out at two and, and rolling Ziggler up for the one, two, three. I think figuratively and literally, that's what we're going to be looking at on Sunday night from Bobby Rude. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, I mean, they're kind of using Ziggler to boost uh, people, you know, who are who are just kind of jumping on the roster. Um, and Rude hasn't had a substantial victory since he's been in SmackDown, um, which is depressing. Um, <laughs> well, this, he doesn't even really seem like he's there. Yeah, I, I forget that Bobby Rude is even there. Um, so Bobby Rude kind of needs this win just because he needs something. Um, and this isn't for a title, it's just for bragging rights, so I think they have to give it to Bobby Roode, so I'll agree with you there as well. And so far, we are, uh, in agreement on everything for our head-to-head. Head-to-head. Yes, indeed we are. But how about now that a title's on the line? Will we agree about the U.S. title match that's next? Yes, we will. <laughs> we will? Oh, Okay. Because there's no way they're going to let Baron Corbin, who just suffered a a clean loss to to Ty Dillinger on SmackDown, beat AJ Styles, the face that runs the place on SmackDown, uh, and let him win a title without some serious cheating, of course. But even then, I think if AJ can can withstand Hurricane Owens, uh, then he could definitely withstand Hurricane Corbin. Okay, well, then, uh, man... You, you, uh, there might be a lot of wind in a hurricane, but you just took all of the wind out of uh, any chances that Corbin had. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're both picking AJ. Yay. We're not, we're not even really talking about it that much. We're just both picking AJ because doesn't he have to win? No, I mean, Corbin, they're, Corbin's being still being punished for, you know, shit going on, you know, social media, what have you. Um, and AJ is someone that they need to keep around, uh, for ratings and he doesn't wrestle as much on, on SmackDown because they want to hold him for that dark match that happens after they record 205 Live. So you, you, you want to keep AJ with that belt right now. There's, especially cause they're worried about low attendance on SmackDown and what have you. Like, I mean, you definitely want to keep that belt on AJ Styles. So, uh, we're agreeing on that one. AJ going yeah. over on Corbin. Okay, uh, yep. which takes us to uh, oh some lady action. The women's title is on the line. The SmackDown women's title is on the line. Natalia, who I must say has held on to that belt longer than I thought she would, uh, is taking on Charlotte. And uh, is this when we get to see Carmella finally cash in her money in the bank? Because the longer that she does not, the more that I forget that she even has the money in the bank contract briefcase. Well, that's true. Uh, I don't think she cashes it in on this night. Um, But it is becoming less of a prop or less visible and notorious of a prop, uh, taking back seat, of course, to James Ellsworth, who's now on a leash 
which is attached to Carmella's other hand. And when I'm looking at, you know, which one of Carmella's hands can I look at if I can only look at one of them, <laughs> I'm going to look at Ellsworth on a chain every time. It's misdirection. It's mis misdirection, yes. And, uh, but I don't think she cashes it in on this night, and I think that we do see Charlotte capture the belt from Natalia. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's going to be a night full of title changes, and I think Charlotte might be one of the first ones uh, that it happens with. So you and I once again agreeing. What a lame head-to-head. Head-to-head. Yeah, not much could compare to last week's. Last week's might have been the most different we've ever chosen uh, a card. And uh, now, neither of us did particularly well because as a result of us picking things so differently, the picks were all over the place. You did win that one by one. So, you know, it's that that's what keeps me going because when we tie and I get angry because we're booking the WWE better than they book themselves, like, <laughs> you know... That gets a little frustrating, but... Uh, I'm frustrated by how humble we are on the show, also. <laughs> well, hey, it's not bragging if you can back it up. Oh, okay, well... So we're both going with Charlotte here, there, yeah? Yeah, we're both going with uh, Charlotte. Also, the Flares, God bless them, have been uh, go going through a lot lately. So I think it'd be cool if uh, Rick's little girl came out with the title right now. What do you think? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think that may even, that, that sympathy vote may factor into her winning here on this night. Yeah, also Natalia, I mean, she's a good wrestler, but she's not an exciting champion. There's nothing exciting about her. <laughs> so I'm afraid Charlotte is just better than her in, in all ways. But anyway, uh, that does take us into another uh, championship match. It's actually our first Hell in a Cell match at Hell in a Cell. It is for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, which means the New Day must defend against the Usos. That's right, and um, I'm guessing it's two-on-two, two, you know, and the third member of New Day, are they going to be outside? But there is no outside, though. Like, the, the cage just, like, takes up the outside. I mean, but you could be outside the cage. But I mean, like, there's there's no, there's limited, like, walk-around space if the cage is down. So, I, I don't know, it depends That's on how much true. room there is. Yeah, but I don't know. They can't do three on two, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, whatever uh, whatever configuration of the three, uh, it's going to be a good match because the Usos and the New Day have put on some really great matches. Their match they had, uh, I think it was a SmackDown when they were in Las Vegas. Um, it was great. It was a really great tag match. Um, so I know these two tag teams are definitely capable of a good match, but the question is, New Day retaining? New Day Losing. Oh, man. It's hard to choose here. I'm going to go with New Day retaining. Ooh. Uh, again, I'm choosing against my own wishes. And this is the first one that I've felt is hard to pick. My wishes are that the Usos would, would recapture those belts here. And even my better judgment thinks this is the right time to pull that trigger. And put the belts back on the Usos. But I'm going to err on the side of recklessness here and pick the New Day to retain simply because that's what the New Day does. They retain tag belts. 
It is in their job description, so I, I understand that. Uh, however, I am going to disagree with you and wow. say that the Hell in the Cell is what gives the Usos the edge, and uh, Jimmy and Jay walk out with them tag team championships. Well, yeah, why does that give them the edge? You said it gives them the edge. Why is that? I don't know. Hell in the Cell always seems to give the heel the edge because they stoop to some tactic, like they'll, they'll handcuff Big E to the, to the, the fence or something like that. So, anyway, uh, we'll see. But something in my heart, my heart, my heart, man. I got to listen to my heart, man. You feel <laughs> me, dog. You feel me. I got to listen to my heart on this one, and the Usos are going to win. All right. Well. We disagree on that one, and that is our first disagreement, yeah? Yeah. Um, This one should be interesting. This one is for the WWE title, uh, currently held by, of course, the modern-day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. Uh, Speaking of people who have held titles for a lot longer than I thought they would, Jinder has been uh, a kung fu grip on this one. Uh, Taking on Shinsuke Nakamura, and man, I hate this feud. This feud is is no good because just Man, be, just because I, of of what they're making gender say about um, about uh, Shinsuke and, and originally it was interesting because he was you know doing the stills on the the screen of Shinsuke and like making fun of Shinsuke but then eventually he turned it on the audience and said like that's what they're gonna say about you Shinsuke because you're not from around here but when he made like Japanese jokes. Uh, it was just kind of like, ooh, like you can't, you really shouldn't be saying that. Then WWE uh, got into some trouble uh, for a couple things that Ginger did say. Um, but again, it's it's just a situation where it's making Nakamura look bad, you know, because it's like, look at Nakamura's stupid face. You know, he takes forever to come out of the ring, and it's like, it's just like Bobby Roode. It's like, he's just an entrance, and that's all he is. And it's like, you're really shitting on people, and <laughs> like, in a way that. You shouldn't shit on them. So anyway, also this whole gender thing is kind of burying Shinsuke, um, and I don't like that either. So I don't like that, but that's the only thing I don't like because I am not tired of gender as the champion. I am not uh, sick of or reviled by or tired of uh, the story that surrounds gender. I'm not sick of the Singh brothers. I'm not sick of how gender wrestles. I'm I'm in on that, man. I am lock stock. I am in on gender. I've been saying hashtag don't hinder gender from the very beginning of this of this dude's push. There's something about that character which is smart. The character itself, I mean, not just the not the creation thereof, but the actual uh, character itself is smart and multifaceted. Unlike, you know, most mediums where you don't really get an opportunity to get a character in their full context, you get that with Jinder Mahal here, right? No, I agree with that completely, and I like Jinder Mahal, and I like him as champion as fine, but this is at the expense of Nakamura, who all of this hurts Nakamura. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Obviously, it's it's not it's not Randy Orton, which happened. You know, Randy Orton lost, and he goes away, and he's still Randy Orton in the eyes of the audience. Nakamura keeps losing, you know, his shot at the title. That eventually, it's like, well, we don't believe in Nakamura anymore. He can't get the job done. That's where I don't like this, you know. Well, and 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 that's totally fair because that is where I don't like it too. Okay. 
So we are in complete agreement there is doing any of this at the expense of Shinsuke Nakamura is just sort of like, yeah, how about not? Just don't do that. Exactly, right. But so outside of that, I am thoroughly impressed with Jinder. I'm still a big fan of him as champion, and I hope it lasts. <laughs> so you're saying you want Jinder to go over on Nakamura? Well, no, not necessarily, but I want this ride to last. Not necessarily this title run. Okay. But just this ride, this new direction, don't knock him down a few pegs and then just have him being kind of the same, but without any steam and without the machine pushing him. He needs to stay there right now because it may be his only chance ever. So he needs to stay there, even if it just means stepping back one rung. So now he's chasing whoever gets the belt next. But he's got to stay right there at the tip top for a little bit longer. Otherwise, he's going to drop way far and never return. And I don't want to see that. I like the character too much. The only way that I think that you can save Shinsuke from the situation if Shinsuke were to lose this match is Shinsuke falls out of the main event picture for a while. Eventually, AJ gets the title from Jinder Mahal, and it sets up AJ versus Shinsuke for the WWE title. I think well, that th I that know, is a program that everyone's looking forward to. Well, and by everyone, you mean at least you. Everyone! Everyone! <laughs> You're not wrong. Everyone. Me too. But you talk about that match more than... Probably more than AJ and Shinsuke talk about it. That's that's not true. That there's no way. Well, that th there's a language barrier. They would talk about it if AJ could understand Shinsuke. Um, <laughs> no, because uh, there, there we, we saw fair the enough. fair enough. We saw the foreshadowing of an AJ Shinsuke, you know, something angle uh, at Money in the Bank when they face each other very briefly during the Money in the Bank match. So it's like that's foreshadowing. They, they know what they're doing there. They're setting up a feud later on down the road. Well, it's getting later on down the road now, so I think it's time to start turning things that way. They're not going to keep Jinder Mahal champion forever. Their ratings are down. They know that the best way to get people back is to get rid of Jinder because across the board, he's not accepted as a champion by the casual SmackDown fans. Not you, Darren. It's okay. And I like Jinder fine. Again, I hope this whole thing keeps up with him being what he is. But we need Shinsuke to get a win here. And uh, Shinsuke suffered his very first loss on SmackDown to Jinder Mahal. The question is, will that happen again? So who do you have? I think the Jinder retains here. Ooh. I think Jinder retains here. I, obviously, it sounds like you're going with Shinsuke. And my heart, and my heart, man, you feel me? Um, it's... Uh... <laughs> I do want Shinsuke to win, but I don't know what the future holds if Shinsuke does win. So, but I'm still going with that. I want Shinsuke to win the match because I love Shinsuke so much. I believe, Darren. I know you lost hope, you lost the faith, but I still believe. I have not lost the faith at all in Shinsuke Nakamura. I am a huge, dedicated fan who wants nothing more than to see Shinsuke Nakamura every week kicking ass, entertaining, being fun and funny 
and a superior athlete. And yeah, I want to see him as the WWE champion, but I kind of don't want to see him as WWE champion right now. Right. So wait, you're okay with Jinder Mahal winning the belt immediately, but not Shinsuke Nakamura winning immediately? See, it sounds to me like you aren't a true fan of Shinsuke. Sure, you want to hear his first couple of albums over and over again, (laughs) but his new stuff? Mm, No. You you may be right. I may be crazy. Yes. Billy Jolson. I may want to go back and watch, you know, Shinsuke's New Japan matches. More than I would ever want to watch any of his SmackDown matches. Well, that's a given so far, yes. (laughs) Well, there you go. All right. There you go. So we we disagree again, yes? We do disagree. We do. We do disagree again. So that's going to take us into the likely main event for Hell in a Cell. And uh, it will be in a Hell in a Cell. Which uh, is unfortunate because this being in the Hell in Cell takes the title match, Jinder Mahal and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, out of a Hell in a Cell. Which, it should be in a Hell in a Cell because it's for the championship at Hell in a Cell. But, this is a Hell in a Cell match between Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. Now, the interesting caveat here is that this Hell in a Cell match is also false count anywhere. Yeah, what the hell In a cell! Yes. What the hell is happening here? Well, first of all, it's it, it, all it means is we will go outside of the cell. That's all it means. They didn't. They're not going to have a false count anywhere match, regardless of whatever stipulation uh, predates it. They're not going to have that match, and then not have the falls almost count somewhere other than in the ring, right? Right. I also I also don't think you have that match and have okay, well, we're going to have the match and uh, but we're basically going to give you the match for free on SmackDown like they did by having Owens keep McMahon beat up and through tables and concessions and in the crowd and all that stuff. Basically, again, talk about WCW throwbacks. Every time I see this I think of Sullivan and Benoit. Really? You can't help but think of that. I mean, that wasn't the first time that kind of match was done. Probably was the best, though. Probably was the best. They just you call know? it what it is. Uh, Shane McMahon falls from a high area match. Because that's all this is going to be. They just want Shane McMahon to jump off of something onto Owens for the win, right? And, and yeah, and I think that that's probably what you're going to be looking at here. But how cool would it be, you know, don't necessarily go through the crowd. Don't necessarily end up in a bin of popcorn or a toilet or, you know, but let's say false count anywhere and it's hell in a cell. Well, why don't we have for the first time ever them get up on top of the cell and simply have the pinfall on top of the cell. That'd be cool. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But you're still keeping it centered around the cell so that you're not discounting or diminishing the cell itself and it, and in the part that it's playing in the show. But you're still managing to have a false count anywhere because in a regular Hell in a Cell match, if you found yourself on top of the cell, a pinfall wouldn't count, even if the person was 
laying there dead. You couldn't pin them and have it count. Now, all of a sudden, there is this weird stipulation where you could do that. Um, so that would be a cool finish to me as one of these guys pinning the other one on top of the cell. But then, of course, there's the possibility that, um, like you said, it's simply uh, a one-way street for Shane McMahon to jump off of something tall. Well, if you're going to do that, then why don't you like have it start as a pinfall uh, attempt on top of the cell, and then whoever gets kicked off literally gets kicked off, like they get the, the pin kicked out of, and like they're close to the edge maybe, and then it flings them off the cell. See, I, I, I predict like Kevin Owens laid out on the uh, announce table while Shane McMahon climbs the hell in the cell to do like a, a frog splash off or something like that. And then Kevin Owens like rolls out of the way when Shane lands and then he covers Shane one, two, three is what I'm kind of thinking is going to happen. Something along those lines. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much. If, if Shane McMahon frog splashes off the top of hell in a cell through a table then uh, I, I personally will uh, forward all of my paychecks to him. <laughs> and I will be a destitute man in short order, but I'll be satisfied because a move like that uh, is deserving of a great deal of money. I don't know why it has to be my money, other than I like to put my money where my mouth is, and my mouth right now is clearly saying, Shane, don't do that. But if you do, I'm you know there there there's a, a teacher's salary in it for you. <laughs> so I, I thought uh, putting your money where your mouth is meant that you you ate money. I was wrong. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but do you think Shane is going to put Owens away? You see, I think if Shane beats Kevin Owens, then Owens looks bad. I mean, he's still Kevin Owens the next day, but. Where do you go from Owens losing the match? So I still think Owens has to win this match, no matter what crazy insanity may befall uh, Shane McMahon. Oh, for sure. And on uh, for that same line of reasoning, I'm picking Kevin Owens. Okay, there you go. Kevin Owens needs to win this match because losing to Shane does nothing for Shane, and it, it doesn't ruin Owens, but it, it's a it's a it's a stain. It's a stain that's going to be hard to lift out. It's going to need a whole lot more than a Clorox pen to get that stain out. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with that. So, so you are so you're picking Owens too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Because, uh, like I said, Owens needs the win. Shane McMahon just needs to fall off of something to prove that he still can do that. And uh, they'll both get what they want because that's exactly what's going to happen on Hell in a Cell. Um, well, and, no, you know what the Rolling Stones said? What are the Rolling Stones said? They said you can't always get what you want. But if you want Shane McMahon to fall off of something tall and almost die, then you might find you get what you need. I don't think the song goes that way, but I, I see what you're saying, and uh, I think we'll be seeing that. Either way, uh, Hell in the Cell itself looks like it's going to be fairly entertaining. Uh, there's, be, there's some good matchups here for sure, and I'm sure we're going <laughs> to watch in horror 
as Shane McMahon nearly kills himself in this Hell in a Cell match. So I can't wait. Looking forward to it. That is going down this Sunday in Detroit, Michigan at the Little Little Caesars. Little Caesars. Palace. Palace. Little Caesars Palace. Little Caesars Palace. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Little Caesars Arena. uh, It's a miniature version of Caesars Palace from Las Vegas. (laughs) And it's where where the little pizza pizza cartoon man lives. Come on! He's Little Caesar. That's Little Caesar, Darren. I I know I said little Caesar man. Okay, yeah, okay. The little little guy who looks kind of like Caesar and he's he's little. I don't know what they call him. Well, oh, they okay, call him well, little here's, Caesar. <laughs> here's the problem. He doesn't in fact look like Caesar. And and instead, and also I'm pretty sure Caesar did not wear all orange all the time. He'll <laughs> know that about Caesar. He was very stylish. I do, actually. I do know that about Julius Caesar. Okay, maybe that wasn't a book that you read. I didn't read that one. Um, But that's it. That is our uh, head-to-head. Head-to-head. For Hell in a Cell. And uh, all we can do now is wait and see what happens on Sunday. Uh, And uh, you guys probably have some opinions as well about Hell in a Cell. Who's going to be victorious? Who is not? There's a lot of ways you can let us know, folks. You can let us know on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like, and share. Follow. Keep up uh, Keep up to date with what's going on at The Whole Refn Show. You can even send us an email if you want at Show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E. R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or... Or... You can send us an old-fashioned letter in the mail. You can sit down with a piece of paper and a quill and a little little bottle of ink. Oh, wait, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you, can't. You, you can, but we're not going to give you our home addresses. So, <laughs> um, so just... just the letter, we'll just never read it. <laughs> so instead, how about this? How about instead you just visit us on Instagram? Because we definitely see all your comments and your likes and we respond to your comments we're not some old stuffed shirts who just go oh wow thanks for leaving me a comment i'm never gonna respond to it because i'm so cool no we are so cool we're so cool in fact that we will respond to your comments so we dig it when you dig us so come on keep digging our pictures we'll dig you right back and uh Check it out, man. Uh, the Four Square comes out every week. Sometimes it's a couple days late, my bad. But it's always a great reminder, a great advertisement for each new episode that comes out weekly of the whole Reffin Show. And plenty of other cool, fun, relevant pictures of hot topics, of recently attended events, and of uh, all sorts of wrestle news and wrestle views. And that's what the whole Ruffin show is all about. Hot topics, uh, Spencers, Gadzooks, uh, all kinds of of. Uh, oh, you mean you meant? Okay, yeah, never mind. I, I'm confused on that. So yeah, keep no, up with no, us. No, on... You're talking about you're talking about retail outlets. <laughs> at which one can purchase their backyard wrestling, their backyard wrestling outfits, and uh, that, that that's not what we're talking about here now. Also, uh, did, did you did you mention Pac Sun? 
I think you could probably also get some tacky backyard wrestling gear from PacSun. I don't know if I throw PacSun in there. Uh, they're kind of like a somewhere between Forever Twenty One and Hot Topic is PacSun. Um, okay, so that so you gotta also sell like rubber dog crap and like. Uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Right, right. The, the, the stuff the kids want to want to wear, basically, yes. They want to wear do- rubber dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's what kids are into these days, man. I've seen it. I have seen it. Um, so, yeah, follow us on social media, folks. And uh, we, of course, have to talk about what's going on October 28th. Very special time for us here at the Whole Reffin' Show. We'll actually be coming to you live. It's a chance to actually be in attendance and watch us film the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Can you believe that? The Whole Reffin' Show live in person in your face. You can be there, dear listeners. You can be front and center. You can see me, Darren Beasley, and this dude, Perry Smith, live on the stage at the Hippodrome in Gainesville, Florida. Lovely, lovely Gainesville, Florida. On Saturday, October the 28th, 2017, it is day two of the three-day punk rock music festival, the biggest, rowdiest most baddest ass punk rock festival on the planet over 400 bands tons of comedy acts oh man the fest we are family show that will be on sunday october 29th but on the 28th in a day full of punk rock and live podcast you boys your heroes darren and perry taking the stage with the first ever live whole Reffin show wrestling podcast. And we will not be alone, fans. It's not going to be just us up there playing grab ass. Although, <laughs> that's well worth the price of admission. It really is. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. No, we are going to have a wide array of guests. We are going to be celebrating the whole Reffin show. We are going to be celebrating one year of fest wrestling and man you do not want to miss this more details to come very very soon keep your eyes open and your ears on alert you don't want to miss all the breaking news surrounding this momentous show on october 28 2017 live whole reference show from the hippodrome in Gainesville, Florida. Yeah, in the meantime, check out uh, The Fest online. Uh, the Fest 16, Google it and find uh, find out more about The Fest itself. Uh, we'll have more word about what's going down there once we get more confirmations and uh, more agreements and uh, what have you. We'll also let you guys know about the whole Refn Show live podcast tour t-shirts we'll be selling with the three dates on the back. Uh, one for the same day for the Palladium in Hollywood and the Phillips Arena in Atlanta and then the Hippodrome in Gainesville, October 28th. (laughs) You may recall we had a, quote, live show already on episode 50, which was a very special show for us. Uh, This one, though, will have some real people there, so that should be pretty interesting. 
Yeah, and if you believed that episode 50 of the whole reference show was live from the Palladium in Hollywood, California, and the uh, former grounds of the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, then I have some beachfront property for you in Nebraska that I'm just <laughs> sure you would like to buy. Well, Darren, tell me more about that after the, we're done recording here because I want to hear it sounds good. Um, and uh, that's about going to do it for us here at the whole Ref and Show, folks. We hope you did enjoy yourselves listening to us. We enjoyed you listening to us. We enjoyed talking about wrestling because that's what we do. We enjoy talking about wrestling. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about wrestling. We'd go get real jobs. Uh, we have real jobs, by the way. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. From both of us, both me and Darren Beasley. Yeah. Hey, that's my name. Don't wear it out. Uh, I am Perry Smith, and this is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. So long. Smell you later.